I've got some. You're listening to Medically Unbiased. Unbiased. Offering an unbiased discussion about all things medical. See? An unbiased opinion. Medically speaking? Yeah. Medically Unbiased. Oh my gosh, welcome back to another edition of Medically Unbiased. It's been a while since we've been on this show, and I want to just say thank you to Christy for prompting uh, one of our fans for sending an email and prompting a new uh, new episode of this amazing show that we get to do once in a while. How's it going, man? It's great, man. It's been a long while, so it- I'm happy that we're able to get this party started. Yeah, brother, yeah. It's... uh. The- there's been so much going on with COVID. I mean, I kind of shut down really mentally. I have to explain because uh, there's been a lot going on in my world. I've changing career. I'm not changing careers. I'm changing per- jobs. I'm changing positions. Uh, where I'm at, where I'm going, what I'm doing has been changing. So my personal life has been, you know, a little bit of upheaval, which is fine. You know, no big deal. But I got tired of saying the same shit about COVID, and then nothing changing like nothing being different and i got sick and tired of the arguments with people about masks and how i just i got i don't know it's kind of like i would explain it as a fatigue like alarm fatigue nurses get alarm fatigue in the hospital where they don't hear pumps beeping anymore yeah so i got kind of covid news fatigue <laughs> Well, that and, you know, just everyday life, man, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, kids graduating school and me changing jobs and, you know, I don't know, just personal world, just shit happening. I can't, you know, say that it was one thing or another. It's just life gets in the way of doing this. And it's not like I get paid to do this. We just hang out, talk about the news and what's happening in the medical world. Um but today, I kind of want to hit on some COVID topics that have been in the news. And we're, for lack of a better term, I hear this recently in the news, we're going to circle back to some shit that we discussed, uh, I don't know, a while back. I don't remember which episode. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, many, many episodes ago. We talked about... Uh, the origin of COVID, right? Like where where it started, and there's been a lot of discussion about it coming out of a lab. Now, if you remember, you 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 will because we've talked about this numerous times. But if our listeners remember, this all started because of the story was it started because of someone ate a bat in what they called a wet market in China. Like in other words, a bunch of animals are for sale. Mm-hmm. Dogs, cats, bats, whatever animals are for sale. And those animals are then cooked and eaten by Chinese people. So Chinese people, the story, the U.S. story was Chinese people eat weird food. They caused this. This is how it happened. It spread rapidly, blah, blah, blah. Our theory, I would guess or feel like our theory early on, was that it came out of the Wuhan lab. As an accident, we even, if I remember right, I, don't, I haven't gone back and listened, but if I remember it, we said that I don't believe this was an intentional bioweapon that was created to destroy society as we know it. 
it was an accident. It was being worked on as a gain of function research in the Wuhan lab, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Yep. Which, you know, whatever. And it escaped. It came out on someone's shoe or someone lab somehow got affected with it, whatever. That's how it spread. Ironically, those the wet market and that lab aren't too far apart. Now, I've highlighted numerous stories in the past that have shown the plausibility of this. Recently, Nicholas Wade, who published an article on Medium, which I printed the day it was published. I printed it on May 2nd. Um, it's 40 pages long, his story. Mm. Now, his story, being 40 pages, lays out in grave detail how the National Institutes of Health and directly uh, from a guy named Peter Daszak. Peter Daszak was tasked by the World Health Organization to investigate whether or not the origins of COVID came out of a lab. Correct. And and <laughs> that's funny you say his name because we've heard some things about that name. Right. The problem mm-hmm. with Peter Daszak is that he was funding gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab, and his money was coming from the U.S. government from Fauci. Yep. Which, you know, totally changes, like, the name of this program, right? We're medically unbiased. Right. And he and he is absolutely biased. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Fauci really? or Daszak? Yeah. They're both biased, as far as I'm concerned. You can't ask somebody who's finance. So, Dasik, in his paper that was published in, I think, February of last year, mm-hmm. uh, was published in the Lancet, it said, or Lancet, whatever you want to call it. It was, it said that he had no ties to, which we know is a lie. It's an absolute lie. So, anyway, I suggest somebody, anyone who's curious about the history of what's going on, read this article, if it's still available from Nicholas Wade, um, again, I printed it. I didn't save it as a digital file. I printed it because digital files disappear. Uh, medium.com could get axed because of all of the stuff going on. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he, well, there's a lot of things that are going on. Well, yeah, my but, friend, but, I mean, a lot of things that we have to address. We, we're going to address talked them. about, you know, we've talked about and we have touched on a, a lot of things, right? Yes. Especially the the process and how we feel about certain things. And yes. now it's like. It's all uh, coming. But here's the funny thing. So I don't like to get political, right? I don't like to bring politics into this, but I have to. And the reason I have to now is because everything that's being done is completely political. It's based solely on a political belief. Medicine stereotypically has been apolitical. I haven't right. had to worry about someone's politics. Like, why would I care if you're whatever religion the person, the patient is, whatever politics the patient has, whatever color, I'm going to treat everyone exactly the same. I'm going to give them the same medical treatment. I would give my own family. I am not about to, you know, withhold treatment or benefit or whatever to anybody based on mm-hmm. a political position or race, a color, whatever, with a caveat. If you 
if you're born a man and you've transitioned to female, I'm still going to have to treat you as a male because it's like science. You know what I'm saying? You'd still have sure. the right chromosomes. But other than that, right? I mean, I've never had to tell a woman she had testicular cancer. So I'm just saying that hasn't <laughs> happened, right? So never had to tell a man that he's pregnant either. You're right. I have never had to do that uh, because that's and the thing. Never should. So um, going off of this Nicholas Wade article. Now, Nicholas Wade lays out a great argument in his article for both argue. He lays out both arguments, the argument of the wet market, which he immediately squashes and shows that it's not plausible. And then he lays out, but there's no smoking gun, but he lays out the argument for it leaving the Institute of Virology from Wuhan. Yeah. The lab, right? So he lays out, really well the evidence today what pissed me off today was that on cnn now let's talk about politics you can get your news from fox news everyone will say oh you're republican and you only watch fox news because they have they love trump but if you get your news from cnn everyone will say oh you're democrat and you know all the republicans will say you're a democrat you only listen to cnn i watch a lot of different and look at a lot of different news articles for this stuff mm-hmm um, and on CNN today, it says the Pompeo led effort. Now Pompeo was in Trump's cabinet and he started this effort to hunt down the COVID laboratory theory, right? They were going to investigate the theory that this came out of that lab in Wuhan on Capitol Hill recently Rand Paul accused Fauci of funding this research and Fauci denied it, but the paper trail shows that he funded it. And the only reason Mm -hmm. the only in 2017, the U S government outlawed this type of research, unless there was a caveat in their outlaw. It said, unless it can be used for, I think it was public safety or national security. So Fauci funded Daszak, Peter Daszak, which funded the Wuhan lab. And the reports were coming back directly to NIH and the um, National Institutes of Allergy and Immunology Immunology for, for Fauci. So he was getting regular updates and responses from this gain-of-function research from the lab. Today on CNN, however... This effort that started in the Trump administration to discover whether or not this lab theory was was shut down by the Biden administration. It's been completely squashed. So it said President Joe Biden's team has shut down a closely held State Department effort launched late in the Trump administration to prove the coronavirus originated in the Chinese lab over concerns about quality of its work, according to three sources familiar with the decision. Now, this is on CNN. The existence of the State Department inquiry and its termination this spring by the Biden administration, neither of which has been previously reported, comes to light amid a renewed interest in whether the virus could have leaked out of a Wuhan lab with links to the Chinese military. Now, recent events have stated people have actually accused the Chinese government of making a bioterrorism weapon and purposefully releasing this onto their own people knowing it would travel and become a pandemic. I'm not making that leap yet. I'm just saying it came out of the lab. That's my, it's my 
position. I'm not accusing yeah. the Chinese military of bioterrorism. I'm saying it came out of the lab, though. No one ain't a freaking bat and created all this whole situation. Yeah, it's I think the analogy physical. with that would be that the bat would have had to have, had to have been cross-contaminated with another infected animal. Okay. Yeah, it was the whole story. Then, yeah, I know, but, but listen, the bat had to be the bat, bat had to be sick. First off, the bat's like I don't know, hundreds of miles away from thousands. Wherever. I think, yeah, thousands. Okay, so the bat had to be sick. Then it, it to be sick, it had to cross contaminate with some other animal. Then that bat had to interact with some human, which is a thousand miles away. Right. It had to be infected and interacted with a human, and then that human would have had to have been now cross-contaminated with the infection, thus interacting with other humans. And, like, it's so, it's not even, it doesn't even sound plausible. Right? No, no, the, so, it's, it's highly unlikely. It's so highly unlikely. You're more likely to get struck by lightning than for this to have come out of the wet market. I mean, the st- statistically, this couldn't have come from the wet market because the bats that were supposedly the name of the bat, I can't remember off the top of my head, but that's in a cave. That's like a thousand miles from where this started. So that whole series of events would have had to happen. And that bat would have had to travel and live all that way before. Anyway, it's it's not going to happen. It's insane. And the other thing is, and let's be clear though, the reason why, and this is Obama's administration that said they to stop doing these yeah, absolutely tests yeah was because they knew the potential risky. of infection oh Listen, yeah we're making super infections we're make so you, the you, the people of the world is making these super infections when they don't even exist and that's what blows my mind when we're talking about this disease and the fact, uh, uh, as far as vaccinations, the whole reason why they were doing that is to see what kind of vaccinations or vaccines can they make from these COVID um, diseases. Right. And leading up to this past year, right, to mm-hmm. the end of this past year, there was none. There absolutely is none until now, supposedly. Right. right. Well, the the irony is is that Peter Daszak did an interview last year before this all hit explaining how they could simply manipulate the SARS virus and institute a spike protein that would cause the virus to, you know, be more infectious to humans. Sure. Which is exactly what this is. The more we learn about it, the more it's pretty obvious, even from the scientists that are researching it, that it came from a lab. It was a lab, you know, it's too perfect. And I think when we were doing the history of it, like the timeline, yeah, there were, there was a point when people from the world health organization had a conversation. I think it was the inspector general of the world health organization had a argument with the president of uh, China. Mm-hmm. They, they stated the WHO, because I did the WHO timeline, right. they stated there was an argument. They don't say what the argument was. Right. There was some kind of argument. Probably, you know, the argument probably could have been, you know, what, what? how did you allow this to get out? You know what I mean? Now yeah. it's a bigger deal. Or if, or if this was created as a bioweapon, you know, the argument is why. Why yeah. would you do this, right? Yeah. 
Well, so anyway, the whole the whole story today makes me laugh because we've been saying for months, almost a year now, we've been saying yeah. this came out of a lab. There's great evidence. There's no smoking gun yet, except for the Chinese scientist that's been on Fox News a couple of times talking about the fact that she used to work in the lab and knows it came out of a lab. Yeah, we even we She's even made statements that you can't even find the Chinese um, scientists in Wuhan. They're not, not anymore, anymore. Not anymore. This lady escaped somehow. I don't know how. The story is a little murky, but whatever. You know, and I'm not into say I'm not a Navy SEAL saving millions of people or whatever the no. Whatever and, happened. And we're sure not. And we're sure not into conspiracy therapy, theories, uh, theories either. All we're trying. I'm to totally do is- into conspiracy theories, and I have no problems admitting that shit. I'll admit that okay. I'm into conspiracy theories, but there's some- when it comes to this, we're trying to pull the evidence, right? We're trying Correct. to see what is out there. We're not just. I'll go down the rabbit hole. Guess. I'll go. De- I'll definitely go down the rabbit hole. But you know, it's kind of like saying, "Well, I believe in Bigfoot." Well, shit. There's been no photos of Bigfoot since everyone had a camera in their pocket. <laughs> you know, a little hard yeah. to believe in Bigfoot. This isn't Bigfoot. This is a. All the evidence is leading that direction. In 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 the lawyer, lawyer terms, it would be considered a circumstantial case, right? There's a lot of yeah. circumstances that back it up, but there's no smoking gun. There's no one person that was like, "Sorry, guys, uh, it was on my shoe. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Killed millions of people. Yeah, I'm sorry." And like we're saying, the, the the person that investigated it is was paid. I mean, it was paid by the same people that paid to have that disease uh, made in a sense. Right. Right. But even, so even though it's 2021 and it's not uncommon to encounter like a political discussion on social media, the medical community should never be involved in politics. I don't believe, you know, I don't believe we should be involved, but the arguments have been really one sided on the political spectrum. So masks, Wearing masks, mandating mask wearing was purely a democratic political position where where the non-maskers were hailed as Republican Party Trump supporting zealots, right? Correct. And if you go back and watch, I think Hillary Clinton in 2016 referred to people as a basket of deplorables that supported Donald Trump. So it resorts to name calling. Like the politics resorts to this your child is ugly and I'm taller than you or whatever. I don't know. It's just, it's it to be stupid in my opinion. It no longer is about science, but the Democrats have said that they are the group of science. They believe in science and Republicans do not believe in science. However, they Democrats and they Republicans are on opposing sides. So, Someone asked me the other day, how can there be so many opposing views to this situation? I said, well, if you have a broken leg, it's blatantly obvious because the x-ray shows that you have a broken leg. And any doctor or nurse practitioner or PA worth their salt will tell you, oh, look, there's a fracture, right? That'll be a consensus. Now, we don't get to consensus medically in a lot of things. We get close, but there's not even consensus on diet right? What's the best diet? What should we be eating? There's no consensus on that. There's a lot of opinion. And there's not even consensus on cancer treatment. And that's a 
pretty well-researched disease. So who goes to the doctor for a second and third opinion? Yet society wants us to come to a consensus based on political beliefs, not on scientific beliefs, about this virus, about uh, the vaccinations, about you know what's happened in the past or the Wuhan lab or anything. It's all none of, nothing's been proven. Yet you have to either follow your political ideological belief or die. <laughs> there's no there's no middle ground. There's no room for discussion on this, and it doesn't make sense to me. Well, what doesn't make sense, and I don't know if you were going to go down this path or not. Well, let's go. Um, what's not making sense for me with the vaccinations or with the vaccines is how the CDC is flipping the script on them. So we know the we know the whole reason why Project Warp Speed was put into place was to get some kind of vaccine out to prevent people from getting super sick with right. COVID. Correct. So so we don't inundate the hospital setting. Right. Okay. That was the that was the only reason why this warp speed and Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer, all those were, you know, they had skin in the game to 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 develop and make mm-hmm. a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Now the CDC is saying that COVID-19 vaccines are effective at protecting you from getting sick. Right. Hmm. How did this narrative change when we know and which, which, let me just finish what it says. It says, based on what we know about COVID-19 vaccines, people who have been fully vaccinated can start to do some things that they had stopped doing because of the pandemic, which is basically what they're saying is if you're fully vaccinated, you are allowed now to not wear a mask. You can go where you like. Unless but no, that's federal- recent, though. That's recent. That wasn't the case. The I, no, CDC, no, no, I understand that. The CDC Here's director wasn't going to let her kid go to a fucking camp. She was going to go to camp, and then two days later, she comes out and says it's okay. I understand that. Here's my argument, though. Why are we saying that it's protecting you from getting sick? What does that tell you? It tells you that if I get the vaccine, I won't get COVID? That's what it's saying. That's what it's saying, and that is, to me, that is an absolute lie. Is it, though? I don't don't know. I didn't say it was. Okay, a cure and a prevention are different. You can't. You have it's to protecting you from getting sick. That's all it's saying, right? So what so what is it protecting you from not getting sick but you'll still have covid? Is that is it really is it either changing us to be asymptomatic carriers that we've been talking about forever that it, there's really no such thing as an asymptomatic carrier? You either have the symptoms or you don't. And when you have the symptoms you're 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 you're, you're spreading, you know, covid. Mm-hmm. So are you now lowering the symptoms where you feel like, Oh, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sick. And I feel like maybe I have a slight allergy. It's allergy seasons right now. Right. And you're positive, but you wouldn't know that because, because obviously you had the vaccine. So technically your body's already has the immunity. They're fighting it off. Doesn't mean that you're my, my point though, is it's very, very misleading at some point in the last like month, it's completely switched the flip on it's now the vaccine is to protect you from getting sick or meaning you, you shouldn't get sick. And now you could stop wearing masks. You can stop. You can now interact. You can 
come back together when at the end of the day though is it going to get to the point where it's going to it's going to be like not, it's going to be like germany where is your papers <laughs> well okay yeah they're, they're fighting for that but that again that's a political discussion right yeah the politics are being invo- are involved in that discussion it, doctors and nurses and nurse everybody has a political opinion and the social media and politics are driving the discussion which Correct. is horrible Correct. It shouldn't drive. Not, I'm not for or against getting vaccinated. I I, I have no skin in the game when it comes yeah. to that. Like, look, I'm not people do drive. what they want to do. I don't care. Honestly, I don't yeah. care. Right? I've I been vaccinated either, but, because but, I was vaccinated. No big deal. What frustrates me though is that instead of saying what they were saying in, initially when the vaccine when the vaccines were coming out, we are giving you the vaccine so you can have an effective effectiveness of eighty or ninety percent which is to reduce your chances of possibly dying from this disease to less than 1%. Which it was anyway. Correct. And now that you have that ability, you so theoretically you would still catch COVID. We all eventually will catch it at some point. Well, yeah, and, unless the you, vaccine keeps you from getting it, which I think the vaccines are pretty effective in keeping you from, because the new story is that, you can't even give convalescent plasma. So if you've had COVID, if you had COVID mm-hmm. and recover, you could give convalescent plasma because you've built up antibodies. The story is that if you get a vaccine, it kills the antibodies. So you no longer have the antibodies to fight off natural antibodies to fight this off. Yeah. It's a real shady area. And then you got to throw in the fact that Johnson and Johnson, Moderna, all those guys really didn't give you, their study or they didn't have to they didn't have to report it that no they didn't really have to report it and they have no liability you can't sue them right. either well here because it's an emergency if, medicine, we, if we compare you know. if we go back to the past which you know america likes to look back only after we haven't <laughs> after it's gone bad we look back and compare but if we look back and compare to the polio vaccine so when polio the vaccine was declared safe and effective the news was like jubilant it was very happy right they celebrated uh i think the headlines on the newspaper said like historic victory sensational you know and people were lining up to get the vaccine now today you've got skeptics and i think that's the i don't think there's a lot of skeptics honestly i think there's a pretty decent group of them but you're talking 330 million americans and if you have 10,000 people screaming that's who you're going to hear which is really a small amount of people. Yeah. You know, and to think about it, there's been a hundred million people vaccinated in the U S if there's that many other people that have had COVID we're at herd immunity. (laughs) I mean, essentially we're at herd immunity already. We've hit Uh, the number. Yeah. So I I just, so it doesn't matter. this. This one I struggle with Tyler. I struggle with this because I feel like, and second off, okay, you as a vaccinated person now doesn't have to wear a mask, but somebody who's not vaccinated has to wear the mask. Once again, they won't wear a mask. My, no, you hear what I'm saying though. Once again, wh- who are we? Which person are we protecting? But yeah, <laughs> like, no, I I get it. But who gives a shit? As far as I'm concerned, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, don't. We're finally to that point. 
the, now the CDC has removed the Karen's ability to yell at you for not wearing correct, a mask. Correct. Yeah. Like I said, it was more of a, I can go, I can, I can visually see who is, you know, I can visually see who is not, um, you know, obeying to the, to the, you know, wearing the mask mandate. Um, and you can yell at them and all that other good stuff. Now you, now it's like, it's really interesting. Cause you know, I go, we go into, go into places of course, uh, hospitals are not part of that uh, can't wear a mask. Which um, is weird because if it works, it works. Correct. But they're still, they're still with Again, you know, science. You mask. Science. We don't. Correct. The Dems so, don't like the science. I think it's interesting, though, to walk into places, you know, some people have masks on. Now I'm thinking to myself, are they vaccinated? Are they not vaccinated? You, you well, think that? You, you question that? You do? I always think that. Oh, that's and funny. Not, I, not for my protection. I'm just thinking just because. I'm just like, are they vaccinated or not? I wonder why they're wearing the mask. It it doesn't even dawn on me to question it. I could care I don't less. Even, I, I guess that's the difference between me and you. I'm sitting there going, hmm, why are they even wearing a mask? Just like I we said a long time ago, why do people wear a mask in a car by themselves? So Shit don't I, make any sense. I gave my wife this argument the other day because someone was talking about you know, talking about politics, everyone was talking about gun control. And I said, you know, the argument for that is like the argument for masks. And it's like the argument for that I would say for rape. To prevent rape, we could castrate every male at birth. Just cut their penis off completely. Mm. There'd be no more rape, right? So what if we just made everyone, mandated that everyone wear masks? Well, I guess we get rid of the flu because that freaking went away, right? That went away quick, right? That yeah. went away, gone. So obviously the mask, did, maybe the mask did something. Maybe just not leaving your house did something. I don't know. Having less people in the workforce, less people going. The kids weren't in school. Well, maybe that, that's a big one. That's a big one. Right. The kids weren't in school spreading their own germs around everybody. So maybe it's all school. It has nothing to do with the mask. Like, But my point is, is that you can't use causality to create the situation you can't say that oh because i did this this happened that's a hypothesis but it needs to be proven scientifically right so we would now have to take two different groups of people and set them up in like a town somewhere pick pick a city of similar sizes and similar population density and similar age groups and ethnicities and yada yada and then one group wears a masks for a year and doesn't go to school and the other group doesn't wear a mask and goes to school and we see, you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. And we, we, we control for each individual thing and you can't, that's just not possible. You can't do that. You can't control for every variable in this hypothetical equation. No, you can't, but you can, you can glean from what has happened over the last year and a half. Right. But do the I re- glean that flu went away cause the kids weren't in school or did the flu go away cause we wore masks? Well, the problem is that you have to, you just have to say that it was a combination of both. Okay, that's fine. And, and you don't, you don't even heart, you di- heart disease take, and death went up. So you can take the mask out, actually. I think did you masks can go cause with, heart disease in school? No, going to school cause heart disease? No, mm-hmm. no, no. I'm saying you can take the masks out of that argument because really it's more social distancing and less interaction and. As what we like to say with, you know, 
as we have kids there, right? My but my friend, uh, you know, the germ mag- magnets yeah. are not. Uh, <laughs> how many times have you heard that statement? The germ mag, they're just germ magnets. They're just yeah. Stop looking at that knobs. kid just rubbing his mouth and then his eyes and then touching the ground. Well, this time when he touched the ground, somebody's wiped the ground. Right. This time somebody's wiped everything that you they know. Never washed their hands you. ever, ever. There's a lot of other factors that I think we're doing more or we're more cognizant of. Well, and you and I are because this is something we do for a living. And so we're more. But on the flip side, I would never. I mandate that my kids are not allowed to take hand sanitizer to school. So. You think, mandate that. I will not allow my kids to freaking take hand sanitizer to school. In fact, I tell yeah. the teachers, if you want my kids to bring hand sanitizer to school, you can shove it up your ass. I'm not doing it. Okay. I don't want my kids. Why? Why would they need to grow up in a flipping bubble of antimicrobes and be away from everything? Well, they, Just develop be, some immunity to some shit. Get sick. Kids they, get sick. Uh, that's fine. Absolutely. Get sick. There you go. Right. Th- but that they've always been required to bring hand sanitizer as part of their supplies. And I don't send it. And I tell the teachers I'm not sending it. Okay. And if you want me to send it, my wife's freaked out. She's like, don't go to school. Don't. I'm like, the kids aren't taking that shit. Yeah, Not you know my buddy, it. my buddy uh, T Dog, right? Mm-hmm. He he does my pot. We do our podcast together, and basically, you know, he I was talking to him about the vaccine, and you know, get it or not get it. He goes, listen, you know, I don't know what to tell you, but you know, he's forty eight years old. He's like, listen, my my immune system hasn't failed me yet. And I'm forty eight years old, right? And uh, the day that it does, then I guess it's meant to be uh, vaccine <laughs> or not. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, there's been a, you know, there's been a lot of death and we've even highlighted on this podcast that something that you were actually surprised about was we've seen an increase in, 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 uh, fatalities in all levels of measurable, uh, deaths. Yeah. Like I. all categories. Yeah. All categories. So they weren't going we thought, to the hospital, which is what was happening. Correct. Which we thought, you know, that those numbers potentially could have gone down if they were pushing most of it off to COVID. Right. Yeah. Or oh, just oh, the they, overall they number them. would have been similar. I, I didn't think that the numbers would go up as much as they did. Honestly, in the beginning, I'll be honest, I didn't believe that heart disease would kill 28,000 more people than it did. I didn't think that number. That's a pretty big jump. You know, almost 5%. Unless, um, unless they died of that heart disease. But the question is, though, you can die of a disease and then have factors that contributed to it, right? Correct. So if you died of uh, heart disease, but you had COVID, would that have been characterized, well, before January 6th, it probably would have been characterized as a COVID death. But you and could be, after, be a smoker and have heart disease, and no one would accuse you of smoking. And, a then, and then after a certain time, because remember we're talking about how politics has played a, a little bit of role, a, a, quite a bit of role in the um, pathway of this, pro, this yeah, disease it's process. It's definitely steered how things are believed. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And then, and then now after a certain thing, now it's, oh, okay, well, he died of heart disease, even though he had COVID, that wasn't the contributing factor. Well, no, because early on they did a, not a study, but they published all the data. And then the news media ran with the data that only 
five percent. I can't remember what that is. Like five or six percent of people died of COVID, only COVID. Well, yeah, that's true because there was a few people that died only that's the only thing they had. But most people have multiple diseases listed on their death certificate. You don't write a death certificate and be like, unless it's obvious, like car accident. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Motor vehicle, it's listed as MVA, motor vehicle crash, motor vehicle accident, um, gunshot wound, GSW. But other than that, if it's a medical reason, most people with severe diabetes, heart disease, obesity, that shit's all listed as the reason. Right, it's not yeah. like, oh, they they ate too many pizzas. They died of fat. They died of obesity. Just too much fat. No, there's going to be hypertension, obesity. These people are going to be on a, a bunch of meds for different reasons. And most of the time, when the doctor sees all the meds they're on, that's what gets listed as a contributory factor. Right. So yeah, high blood pressure. And obesity and type 2 diabetes are all contributory towards death. So if you die at 75 years old and maybe it's just, and you smoked cigarettes your whole life, smoked a pack a day and you died, well, guess what? Smoking and cancer isn't going to get listed unless they test you specifically for it. But if you got hypertension and you got diabetes, that's what's going to be listed. Yeah. If you happen to have COVID, that'll also be listed. Well, there's some, there's definitely some interesting things happening, you know, in the United States with this COVID process and vaccine process. And, um, my problem is we don't have a, we don't have one repository for, for supportive, non politically biased data anymore. The CDC, only 52% of Americans I read on, uh, who the hell was it? Is it MSNBC? I read a study that was done. Only 52% of Americans trust the CDC. And I would say that less medical professionals now trust the CDC than ever before. And prior to this, the CDC was the eminent, like, go-to place for everything. Like OSHA, if you're a safety-conscious person at work, right? OSHA guides you in what you wear and how you do things in to be safe in the warehouse environment or your job, wherever you are. OSHA guides that. The CDC guides medical policy and procedure on a national level. But if only 52% of Americans trust them, and my guess is less medical professionals now trust them because they've flip-flopped. Hell, Fauci's flip-flopped how many times? Didn't we do a Fauci? Oh, my God. His flip-flops and his changes and his, like, arguments against himself. They should. Someone should do a video of Fauci arguing himself. <laughs> Just put him on both podiums, the pictures, and then reverse the image in, like, Photoshop or, you know, like a video editor <laughs> so they can show the way that he's arguing against himself. It's To me, it's freaking annoying as far as I'm concerned. But oh, man. <laughs> right? So... I don't know. Back to the whole COVID well, did thing. You hear, did you hear this? Stu- the, the, there was a, um, a sur- I don't know if it was a survey. I was trying to find it, actually. Did you hear about how many people in the CDC actually took the vaccine? No. Did you hear that? I, I didn't hear that one. No. Yeah. So I, it's like less than half. Oh, there you go. That tells you a lot, right? I mean, so the polio vaccine was heralded as a, and don't get me wrong. I believe this vaccine is a breakthrough in scientific engineering. I also believe that this was already in progress since the first SARS 
vaccine. And I also believe this was in progress at somewhere like the Wuhan Institute of Virology because they knew of the potential of it getting out. So they had to build an antibody system or a vaccine to be able to give to people in case it got out. I truly believe that this was in the process, right? So Mm -hmm. there's, if you go to movies, movies are always, you know, Hollywood's glorious about goofy stuff. But if you go to some movies and you see, I think it was called Shooter, had Mark Wahlberg and he was like a, a sniper, like an amazing sniper or something and military guy in the movie. And Anyway, the FBI is trying to investigate all this information. And this lady, and this guy asks where all the information come from. And the lady says, well, it just comes from everywhere. Different different groups, NSA, FBI, CIA, it just comes from groups. Just, you know, they all lend a hand. They get involved. Like, And this guy's arguing that it just feasibly couldn't be done that fast. I believe that all of this virus or all of the vaccine technology that we're currently using for this particular virus was in the works and had been in the works for years. And we just funded enough people to put their brains together to get it over the hump, right? To move it that much further forward. So I think it was already there. I think we were close to having it. I mean, yeah, there's been in, I've read incidents of cardiomyopathy in young people, you know, um, myocarditis, excuse me, in young people, which is inflammation of the cardiac muscle in young people who get the vaccine. Now, I don't know quantitatively how many that equates to. I guess there was a few people that died after receiving the um, Johnson and Johnson vaccine. It was pulled off the market for a short time, you know, because they were concerned that there was pulmonary emboli. It was causing PE and clots in people. It's it's really disappointing because I really liked if if there was a vaccine out there, I really liked the Johnson and Johnson. It's back one. on the market. It's being used again. I know, I know it is. I'm just saying I like the fact that it's one shot. Not that two shots really make a difference, but I like the fact that it was one shot and, and you know, reading it because they did publish some of their, you know, they did publish some of their study where they were doing the uh, tests at, which was in Africa, Europe, and, and the United States, uh, people in Africa, obviously, they have a high AIDS, you know, high AIDS, so mm-hmm. they're, they're already immunodeficient. Right. And even getting the one shot, initial shot, gave them, I think, 50% effectiveness, which Efficacy. is pretty good yeah. for somebody that's already got immuno, that's immunocompromised. Correct. But then as the as the study goes on, that percentage starts to climb, meaning the body's making more, you know, antibodies, so on and so forth. It is also a different mechanism. Uh, I think uh, Johnson & Johnson is a uh, DNA versus, and, and d- hey, folks, just so you know, I'm not a virologist. I'm just telling <laughs> you what I heard. Uh, whereas the rest were an RNA duplication. This Correct. was DNA. And now, as far as what that means, I'm not 100% sure, but I just felt like there was it's a different it method of delivery. As cold. You can go out and you, you can give, you know, if you make a million vaccines, there's a million people you can affect. It just right. was a win win. No, that's but, true. But yeah, I guess there was um, <clears throat> through social media, there was a post um, by. 
Um, let's see here. There was a post. There was it said something on timestamp May 14th, 2020 reads new about 40 to 50 percent of CDC FDA employees are refusing the COVID-19 vaccine, according to Fauci Marks, which is a post through this tweet through breaking 911. So basically, I think what it was boiling down to, I don't think they were saying that they, you know, 40, 50 percent was refusing. They were just saying that there was 50 to 60 percent that have gotten it. This is how they're 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 spinning it. 50 to 60 percent have gotten the vaccine through the CDC. Mm -hmm. Thus, the person making the tweet was was assuming that the other 40 to 50 percent probably refused. Right. And we don't know if that's true or not. But it is interesting though, if you are the CDC, you know you know the the good and the bad and the ugly, and you're working for the for that um, you know, department, you would think and being a federal, you know, federally federal funded or however you want it to say, you would think a hundred percent. Right. And you know what else is really interesting? They they this is really interesting. Um, they've extended the flu season. Did really? you hear that too? No, I didn't hear that part either. To May. That's they, crazy. They to, May? to May? It's never been yeah. extended to May. I, I, thought, I, just, I don't know where they get this, this stuff, dude. So it, it, it blows my mind. It really is like, let's just change the rules in the middle of the game. That's my point about the science, right? So we're not following science. It's literally like I went and asked the janitor at the hospital and I said, so uh, how, how far should we be apart? He's like, uh, I, I think six feet's a pretty good number. Uh, six feet. Yeah, I think we'd... Cool. We'll put that in the report, guys. Okay, six feet is what everyone needs to stay apart, right? That's, uh, that's the rule. The janitor spoken. We're going to use six feet. Yeah, I'm telling you, just some of the wonky stuff that I've, I'm hearing. And on top of that, you're supposed to get a doctor to sign off on if you defer your flu shot, which has never been asked before. Wow. Why do I need, a phys- why do I need to go to a physician to have him sign off that I'm not getting the flu shot? This is flu shot, guys. Well, so let's go to commercial, and then when we come back, I think we should talk about the idea of vaccine passports and the HIPAA implications of that, because I believe that there are some that people are not actually talking about. I think people need to discuss. I think we need to discuss it anyway. All right. Sound good. Medically unbiased. Some vaccine passports. There's a discussion about passports. No, you're wrong. You got to have a passport to travel across the country. And in fun, in fact, for me to get jobs in most medical practices, I need to have all of my vaccinations or prove that I'm not susceptible to certain bloodborne pathogens and airborne pathogens, such as. You know, Hep B. Need to have a vaccine for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I'm allowed to turn it down and 
you know, decline it, but I have to sign away my life and my future history if I want to decline it. I'm just going to tell you this. This is my response. If they ask me to get a vaccine papers, please papers. So this is it. This is. So if they came up to me and say, Hey, Hey Ron, we, we need you to sign your life away for a vaccine passport. No, God, no, God, please. No, 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 no. (laughs) Sounds completely appropriate. I read a I read a meme the other day that I found quite interesting, and my wife says I'm not I'm absolutely not allowed to say it if it comes up, but I want to, so it's gonna it might be worth a couple of days on the couch to just use it because <laughs> the meme starts off as this lady at the counter, sir, uh, have you been vaccinated? And the guy says, ma'am, do you like anal? <laughs> And she goes, excuse me? He goes, well, I thought if we were just asking random unimportant questions that you have yeah. no, you know, what you, something like you have no right to ask, I thought I'd ask you one as well, you know? And yeah. that seems completely appropriate. It's you know, My wife has threatened me with death if I try that, though. So oh, good. Probably, so just put it out on your podcast. Perfect. Well, yeah, it probably won't happen. I'm just That's why I did it on the podcast, because then I don't have to do it in public, and I don't have to get in trouble for it. Yeah, it's, um, I've struggled quite a bit, actually, you know, dealing with um, people asking for nobody's well, let, let's get back. Nobody's asked me for any type of uh, when I walk into a facility without a mask on or outside or whatever, nobody's asked me for papers or anything like that. And I know that a lot of the time they're, they're going by the, the honor system, right? And you're, we, we honor that you're being truthful um, because you know why would anybody lie? Well, here here's my thing about the whole honor system. Is I've been in numerous grocery stores and you know lumberyard, Home Depot, whatever, and people are using these shopping carts, electric shopping carts that are generally reserved for handicapped people, and nobody has to present their placard to prove that they need it. In fact, I've said to some people, much to the chagrin of my wife again. You know, if you walked, you might not be so fat and you might not need that chair. But I don't say that anymore because she gets upset. So there's people that, in my opinion, do not need that electric scooter. And I believe they're taking it from people who could benefit from utilizing it. Because there's only so many of them in the store. We don't care. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody says anything to them about that electric scooter. There's a HIPAA rule in place. I am not allowed to give out medical information on my patients. They don't, shouldn't have to ask. There's the Americans with Disabilities Act, which says I can't ask, right? Yeah. So if you show up to the grocery store and it says no pets, but you have a dog and you say that it's your whatever the service dog, service dog, yeah. Like, as the grocery store owner, do you think you can be like, get out? <laughs> you can lose everything. No. You lose it all. Yep. You kick somebody the out same, with the surface. Same off. should apply with this, the whole vaccination, the, the whole vaccine. That's the reason you shouldn't it should have to be. prove that you have it or not. You, you shouldn't. And what is it? And there again, once again, what does it matter? You're listen. If I'm not vaccinated and you're vaccinated, 
I guess you're protected more than I would ever be. So what does it matter to you? It shouldn't. It won't matter to me it at shouldn't. all, personally. But here's yes. my here's my other question: Is have you seen the paperwork that this is printed on? Or the hand? No. It, okay, so the I'll show you the vaccine card. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, sorry, you don't get to see this because you're listening. And it's not a video podcast. But I I've, mean, I've seen yes, I've seen the vaccine cards. Yes. Okay, how hard is that to fake? Oh yeah, it's not like I'm faking money. Yeah. I'm faking a card, a three by five recipe card that says COVID-19 vaccination record card by the C. Like you could fake this all day. So yeah. if I was, I mean, I had mine, I had my vaccines, but my question is, let's say you didn't, let's say you didn't have a vaccine and they did start issuing papers and you had to get paper. Who, who proves that mine's mine or anyone else's is accurate? Correct. Where's the proof? Who's who's you, policing you that shit? Yeah, you can't. Once again, it's another Karen tactic. Correct. Right? They yeah. want to they want to embolden Karens to yell at you. And to uh what's the term? Dox you? Something about dox, I don't know. I'm old. I don't believe in all the terms. I don't get them. Well, I sound like know, my father half the time. I'm like, "What the hell does that mean?" Listen, get and, off my and lawn. I think it's also an opportunity for for people to get free stuff. Come on, because man. I, <laughs> Give me free stuff. Because here you are. Let's say that we're going to give out tickets to a sporting event. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and that sporting event uh, event is a pretty, you know, I yeah. don't know. Let me just throw out there. 50,000 people are going to show up to this event. Wait, wait. Let's just throw it out there like the Super Bowl. Okay. It's be a great example. Mm-hmm. 7,000 people who were vaccinated got tickets. Wow. So there was a big push to give away a lot of free stuff. And there, it is still today a big push to give away, you know, we can give out free tickets to this game or this event or this, but you, you know, you got to go get vaccinated. As a matter of fact, if you don't have the vaccination, it's okay because when you show up to the front door, you just tell them you want your vaccination. You'll get it, and you can go right in. No problem. So that's funny because you need to wait two weeks. But check this out. Larry Fintz, Flint's strip club called the Hustler Club here in town, here in Vegas, yeah. was giving away like a free VIP pass, free lap dances to the vaccinated strippers um, if you came in and got your vaccination. Now, when they did the polio vaccine, they didn't have to beg people to get it. There was no... Because yeah. polio was a pretty bad disease. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. There was no begging. There was no begging at all. It was just like, hey, we have polio vaccines. And like, hey, I'll wait in line all day. Whatever. I don't care. I want mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you know? No big deal. Here, we are begging and enticing with... Okay, I have to laugh because... Scientifically, we know that increased intake in carbohydrates causes insulin resistance, which therefore causes type 2 diabetes. So that should be the norm. It's not. People freak out, but whatever. That's how it works. Check yeah. this out. Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme and everyone else was giving away free freaking donuts if you showed up with your vaccine card. 
And you got free hamburgers or french fries or some shit from, like, McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all carbs. So, cool, you're vaccinated against COVID, but we're going to give you type 2 diabetes. <laughs> we're going to find another way to kill you. Yeah, we'll, we'll kill you one way or the other because we're big pharma. And we need you to die. Slowly, that, preferably and, slowly. So we can, and there again, we can yeah, own there you again, for a long time. The Emergency Act to get these vaccine, vaccines released. Uh, like I said, there is no... How do I say this word? There's just no... Um, you know, uh, there's there's no... I can't think of the word right this minute, but basically the 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 Pfizer and Johnson Johnson Big Pharma, <laughs> Big Pharma have right. no um, incentive. Well, they have the incentive, the financial the incentive, vaccine, but they don't have the. Um, you know, when you when you obviously when you want to try to sue, it, not always suing, but take to court or have an argument about you know one of your loved There's ones. There's no legal maybe, ramifications. You mean? Correct. Thank you. No legal ramifications making this stuff. Well, they have no risk. A, there's not, there's like said, zero risk on their end. Zero risk. There, yes. Who we know in the past with Big Pharma that they're in it for the money regardless. Well, I can't blame them. Okay, I'm sorry. I can't blame anybody for being in it for the money. The no, no. Only, there's only a few but, altruistic scientists out there that produced different vaccines for smallpox or polio and gave them to the world for free, right? These companies, right now, it costs hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars, to bring a drug to market. No, I understand. You get 20 years of, of keeping it what they called... Um, uh, not over the counter, or it's not over the counter, but it's um, patented. Right? Yeah. They get mm-hmm. patented for 20 years. They're locked in, whatever. I, I get all that. All I'm saying is there are drugs out there that Big Pharma produced that were bad for you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Vioxx being one of them. Right? <laughs> right. Talk about Vioxx. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about Fen-Fen, the first part of the Fen, right? right? They produced it. People suffered from it because we didn't have long-term... Uh, scientific data that shows that it really is that good or not. And then people, they were held accountable for it and they stopped making the drug. Right. Right. And what, how do you hold them accountable? You can't. I I don't know. It's very frustrating. That's all I'm saying. Once again, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I think it's it. You, you do the research just like we we've done here. You make a determination. Uh, you try to be as unbiased as possible and say, is this good for me or is it good for my family? Right? Yes. I just I just laugh, dude, because with the whole testing and stuff, you know, I, I, you're in the medical field. I'm in the medical field. And my friend, I have friends that, you know, work for shows on the strip and they're being tested every Tuesday the people, uh, teachers are, I think, are being tested once a week. Um, the what else? The, you know, uh, there's like all kinds of places that are are randomly testing, uh, trying to find out, you know, if you're going to be positive for COVID or not. Blah blah blah. Yada yada. And uh, 
I hear my friends like, oh yeah, you know, they just found uh, Joey. Joey uh, came back positive, but he's got no symptoms, but he's positive. Okay, well, well I, I work in the medical field, Tyler. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you how many times I've been tested. <laughs> Zero. Right. Zero times. Why is it? I, why is it okay to test school teachers routinely, but not okay to test the actual people that are working with patients that are absolutely positive and have full blown COVID and are completely contagious? But it's but it it's not okay to test the people working with them, but it is okay to test everyone else. It's just weird. No, I I get it. I mean, so. We were going to talk about vaccine passport stuff, and so we kind of got off on it. But even if you go back to the history, even in the polio, like when polio came out, the polio vaccine in 55, it killed like 200 children. uh, Yeah, killed 10. It paralyzed 200. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Cutter. The Cutter Laboratories developed a vaccine, and... um, delivered 200,000 doses to children and for it caused 40,000 cases of polio. So that's a 20%, you know, case load. That's pretty big as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, So 20% of the vaccines that were given actually caused polio, caused cases of polio. 200 of the children had paralysis and killed 10 kids. So they call it the Cutler incident or the Cutler. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the Cutler incident. So, because they didn't didn't they use a live virus though? Isn't no, they no, they um in they inactivated the virus with formaldehyde. Um, as That's, far as I'm, if I remember right, but I think that was that might have been Salk's protocol. Uh, so I have to remember. It's been a while since I did the research on it, but sure. Um, anyway, I do know that that whole situation wasn't great right but then it was met with such jubilant you know happiness and everyone was cool with it although it harmed and killed and maimed people we gave this vaccine was given to six million people and six people had class like that's a really small number no offense against the people that received problems from the vaccines but that's a very small percentage yeah the polio vaccine was heralded as polio, a, yeah. correct. So the polio vaccine was heralded as this amazing thing that cured and stopped polio, and then it caused ten deaths and this one, just one incident, right? Oh, so yeah. I, I'm just saying that when it comes down to uh, how this all plays out, I think we need to really see that, like, <laughs> the science is is good if we follow the science, but if we follow what people say about it or what social media talks about or what fucking Kim Kardashian says or what your favorite social media personality talks about, you're not following science. You're following someone's opinion. And often you're following the opinion of someone who has no skin in the game at all. And if you're following someone that has skin in the game, they're going to lie to you, which is what Dasik and Fauci have been doing. Come on, man. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Fauci needs to be charged criminally. <laughs> you know, he needs to be charged criminally for funding yeah. this. So, well, recently, like over the last what couple days, I think uh, President Biden has 
said that he wants a commission on where or where to where the where it's to all started. Well, <laughs> right, because he canceled the commission that was investigating in the lab, and now he wants a new commission. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. We both know Biden's in cognitive decline. It's a mess, you know. So when we come back, I have I have a really weird medical thing to discuss. It's going to be out of the box, and uh, I think it might surprise you because I didn't tell you about it before. So it'll be interesting. So I've been doing a lot of research into the border crisis recently because I heard some statistics that had me a little mind blown and I was a little concerned about uh, some of the stories I heard. So I did a little bit of digging and I found out that it's worse than we're being told. So why is the border crisis a medical concern? What's the medical angle there well I think there's multiple (laughs) medical concerns at the border you've got people coming across the border in higher numbers than has ever been seen in the last 15 years so just recently the numbers are out for March and April and according to the data in March and April There has been 171,000 in March and 178,000 known border that's known border crossings from Mexico to the U.S. Dang! Same time last year. Now, granted, COVID was kicking off in March and April. Those numbers were 30,000 in March and 25,000 in April, respectively. But to be fair and unbiased, if you go to 2019's numbers, when Trump was in office, the numbers were around 70 to 100,000 each month coming across. The Biden administration has had to build 10 additional facilities to house all of the undocumented children and women and people coming across. When I say women, I don't mean teenage, young, beautiful Latinas. I'm talking older women that have made this journey. Now, as Americans, we view this as a border crisis because we see this problem as happening the minute it hits our border. So we think, oh my God, it's so horrible. We need to give them stuff, tents and blankets and every other thing, money, whatever, right? And that's great. It's altruistic and do your thing, whatever. I don't, doesn't bother me. But when 45% of our border patrol 
is now working in these additional encampments, you can no longer guard the border. Of the people coming across that are carrying backpacks, let's assume they all have a backpack, because how they get from where they were going, they have to come across with a coyote. The drug can the drug lords control all of Mexico. Different sections of Mexico are controlled controlled by different drug cartels. These yep. cartels are paid numerous amounts of money to bring you across. These people are given wristbands, and the wristbands will say that they either owe money, they've paid their money, they're going to pay, you know, they're never going to pay later. It's they pay now, or they're going to work for it, or a family member is going to pay them. Something's going to happen. Yep. These drug cartels are pushing people across the border because when Biden came into office, he was like, come on, come on over. So it's like an all or nothing hurry push to get here. So 170,000 people a month, that's that's 17 times the population of my hometown. <laughs> right? That'd be right? 17? No, wouldn't be quite that many. Yeah, it would be in that. Yeah, 17 times the population of my hometown. Okay. You know, that's a lot of people, right? Every month coming across. Now, what we don't see at the border coming across are young women or um, when I say young women, I'm talking 45 and younger. You don't see those women coming across the border. You see a lot of young men and a lot of unaccompanied minors. And there's stories in groups of these unaccompanied minors that start off as a group of 400 kids in like Honduras and they arrive and there's 200 what like people go missing in Mexico all the time. There's no US Census Bureau monitoring how many deaths are happening. Why is there no women coming across the border? They're being sold into sex trades and sex slavery all across the lower US and the whole entire border of Mexico. These women are being kidnapped and used in the sex trade as to pay for their way to get across the border. And some of them won't even live to make it. We as a society need to look at this problem as starting long before it gets to the U.S. But we don't. We see this as, oh, shit, they're here in our border. We got to do something. You're going to tell me that a mother sends their six-year-old child to walk north and get across the border from... Honduras, that's pretty crazy. And so why does the Biden administration or even the Trump, previous Trump administration not call them terrorist organizations? Why are they not terrorists? Why are they just cartels? Because if there's a terrorist organization, these people can seek asylum. <laughs> they can legally cross mm. your border. We have to take them in. The minute you call it a terrorist organization, you call Mexico a failed state, politically... You have to take the asylum seekers in. But they don't want to take the asylum seekers in. So what happens? All of those little towns and the border towns are going to be inundated with people they cannot medically treat. And med and our Medicare and Medicaid dollar is going to already it's through the roof. We already can't afford to pay for it. 
Yeah. But when those people are now on the rolls and seeking medical assistance, we explained how one hospital in Michigan closed and how it funneled 100,000 patients to two different hospitals, inundating those ERs with those new patients that because we closed the hospital. Now you're going to take a border town that's small and you're going to bring 170,000 immigrants across the border every month and you don't have the facilities to care for these people already and now you're going to totally blow out the medical assistance that's available to the locals in that area? What what are we doing as a society if we're allowing this to continue? I think it's detrimental to not only the people coming across the border, I think it's unfair to them that we put them in that position. Don't get me wrong. They have a shitty situation, right? They're in these areas that are overrun by the cartel. The cartels are stronger and you know more powerful than the Mexican government. That should tell you yeah. something. But for years, for the last 10 years, we've been paying the Mexican government to help defend the border. We've been paying the Mexican government that can't do it, and we still give them money. So now we have contributed, as Americans, have contributed to the situation where young girls are in sex trade, unaccompanied minors are coming across the border in higher numbers than ever before. Many people have got across the border that are from other countries, not even from Mexico or even from South America. There's Asians, there's Chinese, there's other people coming across the border. Yeah. It's not like all guys that want to do work at your house or, you know, hard working Americans. It's, you know, it's not what's coming across the border. There are those people coming. That's not the majority of them. So the medical side to me is that it's very scary on how are we going to assist all of these people? How do we give them assistance? Because the assistance can't start when they get to the border. That's failed. It's failed already. You had 170,000 coming through. They'll come May. There'll be 170, 180,000. It was 178,000 people in April. And it grows every month. Mm. So what do you, what do we do as a society? How do we facilitate helping those people? Now, don't get me wrong. Last year, 30,000 came across in March and like 24 or 26,000 came across in April. I think it was. Yeah. But that was COVID, right? So everyone was afraid. Even, even the people coming across were afraid. Well, but now they're not. Now they're not afraid, right? Because we're all vaccinated. America's vaccinated. America's the place to get your vaccine. America's the place to get assistance. America's the place, the land of the free, home of the brave. And you, you made a good point, uh, you know, with all these people coming over and, and, and utilizing uh, the U.S. dollar, tax dollar for, you know, to care for these people, right? Right. Um, it also, on the same token, which also affects the American people, as you were saying, the drug lords is the type of drugs that they actually bring in also on top of that. So the Sinaloa cartel is really well known in middle Mexico and the Texas border for bringing over cocaine laced with fentanyl. And, Correct. The, and the fentanyl is being produced in a lab that was built by China. Yep. 
Now, during COVID, a lot of money was moved around the country. A lot of guns, a lot of weapons, a lot of drugs were moved around the country during COVID, especially during upheavals in areas of political discontent and defunding of police. So Oregon, for instance, and you know, Seattle to defund the police movement. Really? You want to defund the people who are helping to protect you. So what did the cartels, there's a, the largest and fastest growing cartels, the new generation cartel. They're growing to the point where they're moving tons of ammo and weapons and drugs across the U S they're in some of the small towns in Kentucky and Tennessee and, they're, you know, you look and if you want to find out, they're there. Yep. Small little, po- they've been arrested as far away as Australia, trying to set up organizations and do stuff. Now, yeah. if we as a, as a society aren't addressing the medical needs of our own people very well, how are we going to also address the incoming groups of people that need our assistance the most? I mean, they're they're fleeing a failed state. And the only reason we haven't called it a failed state is because the minute we do, we now have to mandate, it's mandatory that we accept those refugees, right? They're seeking asylum. So we now have to mandate that we the state has to accept them. So is there enough medical professionals to actually treat these people? We haven't seen, the, the, the videos coming out of, the images coming out of these camps that, the Biden administration has built. They'll say that there's no kids in cages. Remember the whole kids in cages argument for years? Or the last couple of years was the kids yeah, in cages yeah. thing. Well, there's still kids in cages. They're, still <laughs> they're not cages. They're, they're jail cells, but they're cages, if you want to call them cages, that they're holding facilities. But how and how do you determine who's who? People don't come with like so some person says, Well, this is my kid. How do you know that's their kid? Yeah, you can't prove it unless you're doing DNA. Right. Unless you're doing a DNA swab. But are they going to... Who can afford that? Again, and time-wise, it doesn't like come back in an hour. So I'm concerned as to what we as a society are going to do in that area. Now, Border Patrol... Um, let me see if I can pull up the numbers here. So the Border Patrol arrests is like crazy, right? They, they've they arrested, I think there was, I don't know, uh, 13,000 arrests just in like a small little section of, because they only control 100 miles of the border, like 100 miles north of the border. That's all they control, right? So the Border Patrol, they don't arrest you if you're in, like, you know, New York, right? Yeah. I guess they could because that's border, U.S. border. So, you know, it would be Wyoming. I guess they wouldn't arrest you. Border Patrol agents wouldn't arrest you in Wyoming. Yeah, Utah. Right. So, but, like, they arrested 10 sex offenders to cross the border last week. You know, there's 95 convicted sex offenders that were arrested this year alone crossing the border. Now, that's just who they arrested. Yeah, that's pretty scary. So there's 10 between May 17th and May 24th were arrested, right? 10 sex offenders in Texas. 
in Del Rio. That's just one section. You know? So these guys have already been arrested and convicted and then sent back to Mexico as our return policy because we don't want to keep them and keep them in jail and pay for them. Right? To come so, back. So yeah. they come right back in and then they're rearresting them again. So what what do we do? How do how do we as a society help fix this problem? Man. I mean it's a heavy problem. It's a it's a definite issue that needs to be addressed. And it's yeah. causing major issues with youth and females, right? So the Democrats say that they're the group that wants to protect women, right? And protect women's rights and all this stuff. And that's great. So step up and do something about it and protect the border. Stop this stuff from happening. But how? Because medically, you're going to get a bunch of young women who are going to be treated for sexual abuse. They're going to be beaten, raped, murdered. You need young kids coming through that have a lot of mental issues. You know, maybe yeah. they've been beaten, sexually abused along the way. You don't know. You know, and then you've got men and women coming across the border who may have bad intentions. Maybe they want to harm you or obviously well, just- harm children. It's it's not a good look. It's a scary thought, in my opinion, when you truly look at the ramifications of the of the border in and of itself. Now, why we don't have that same problem on the northern border, I don't know. Like, so if you're Mexican and you're having trouble getting across the border, could you take a ship, go to Canada, jump into Canada, and then paddle your way in a canoe, paddle across the border into the U.S., into Michigan, Wisconsin? You know? Yeah. It's a, um, it's, it, it is. <laughs> I know it's I hit deep. you with some kind of weird shit because you weren't expecting it. But to no. me, when it, when we look at society as a whole, how we are going to, it's easy for us to look at Vegas and say, okay, well, next time there's a COVID pandemic, this is what we're going to do. That's easy to do. This situation in the border is affecting the entire U.S. And it's going to affect us as a country and it impacts us every day, but it's little impacts. It's almost like little pinpricks and eventually it's going to come to a complete catastrophic failure of monumental proportions. And what's going to happen? I am afraid that there's going to be a major problem medically, financially, uh, and it's going to harm the people that we're supposed to be protecting that we're trying to help at the border, but they're going to get harmed, you know, and we're harming yeah. our own citizens because there's already governors begging begging Biden to stop allowing this to come across the border because the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, is and and the Border Patrol and the ATF and everyone else are just releasing people in droves into these cities. Mm. So how does a hospital in a small town in Texas yeah. care for them? Uh, yeah, because <laughs> they're they're all self pace, <laughs> right? All self, but you can't you can't refuse you can't refuse service, right? So you are not allowed to refuse service to a patient in an American hospital. Correct. You're not, and okay. 
you have to provide as much care as possible for these people that probably need a lot of care. Right. So and Laredo, Texas, Laredo, Texas has only 300. So the Laredo Medical Center is on the border of uh, in Laredo, Texas. They yep. only have 312 beds in that hospital. That's a small hospital. Yeah. Now, they see a shit ton of patients there. Does it say how many? Uh, total discharges. Uh, it says 13,000, but I don't know if that was the last month. They only have 300 beds. They're in 12 beds, excuse me. Yeah, so. that's... That means uh, what's coming through their emergency department is probably like five, six hundred people a day. A day, right? So check this out. Their total patient revenue says it was $2 billion. At a 300-bed hospital, at $2 billion in revenue. Where's that revenue coming from? Well, it's coming from the government or it's coming from us. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's my point. Yeah. So you got a 300-bed hospital in Laredo making, having $2.237 billion in revenue. And they have every option available. They've got a cath lab. Um, they've, <laughs> uh, it, it should be small, right? Because the population in Laredo is not very big. What's the population in Laredo, Texas? Um, I'm sure you'll look it up. I will. But, you know, at the end of the day, though, you know, we do have to. The only way that you're 000. going to get. Huh? It says 250,000. 250,000? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Henderson alone has 400. I know. That's my point. So the only way you're going to be able to get any any recognition on this deep subject is if you had the help of Twitter and Facebook, which is very sad. Right. No, you don't want to hear this, but you would have to have them start trending this problem. They would have to trend it. Well, if it's it's not there trended, no, it's there. It's on there. You can, you can search it and look it up. People are talking about it, but it's not bringing the media has no desire to talk about that. There's no, there's no, you, you know, just like, for example, uh, I, I think of uh, Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. The dev, the devastation that, that it had um, in the Orleans, New Orleans. You had people on top of their rooftops. You had flooding all over the all over the area. You had uh, good stories, but what you did not have is, I don't know, people in Las Vegas, people in other states. If it was, if the news wasn't reporting on it that often, I, I guess you just you don't care. You know, you, if it's not being reported on, if it's not being discussed, if it's not trending in the in the social media world, in the Twitter sphere, um, it's a forgotten. It's it's a moot point, unfortunately. Well, I think the problem isn't that it's 
being forgotten. I mean, I see that your point there. I do understand that. I think that we, we are pretty narrow minded. Americans are narrow minded. We are mm-hmm. very shallow and that's fine. You know, no big deal. I mean, I'm shallow too. I get it. It's not a big deal. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying that we view the problem as starting at our border. <laughs> well, yes, but the other problem is all the other States that, we think doesn't affect, which it does. We know it does, but right. really doesn't affect. If they're not walking into my front door, I guess most people don't care. Right. It's just right. like using the Katrina analogy, you know, yeah, there was a bad storm. Yes. A lot of people died. Yes. There was a lot of flooding, but it didn't flood in my house <laughs> or use right. the pipeline. It's not, it's the NIMBY. What's that NIMBY? Not in my backyard. It's NIMBY. Yeah, it's not happening or, to me. Or the pop, or, or the pipeline. The pipeline. This is another good one. Oh yeah. Um, people are filling up gas in garbage bags and cans and all this other crazy stuff because they think they're going to be a shortage of gas. And it didn't affect me. I wasn't worried. I didn't go out and fill up my car. <laughs> like that ain't happening, right? But. <sighs> Man, I, I mean, the the struggle. The, so what are, what are we saying, though? At the end of the day, there's a few thi- there's a few people that need. This is what we're saying. At the end of the day, there's a few people that we feel like they just need to go. Right. Well, I don't know. They need to go. I think that we we as a society need to stop the progression of people coming across the border, because I think what it's done is it's allowed for. Other entities like, you know, the cartels to use humans as financial gain. It's created a, we're talking about slavery all year long about, you know, the different colors and races of people and how slaves, we've created a secondary slave trade by putting women into the slave trade in the, in by all the cartels are turning them into sex slaves and they're paying for coyotes to bring them across the border to drop them off in the U S to be put in a jail. I mean, we're creating slaves. These people are, owe the coyotes and they owe the cartels money to get here. Yeah. So we as society have created a whole new slave trade. We've created a financial problem for the medical practices across the entire U S especially at the border. We've created a, ongoing medical crisis because how do we treat all of these people who are coming across how do we medically treat them they have to they're not coming across super healthy they walked for miles dude yeah miles of hundreds of miles yeah they're coming across dehydrated sick nourished correct you know there's videos of kids being found in fields in texas you know it's just it's very sad but the the thing that gets me is that we're treating this as a problem. Oh, it's a political issue. It's not. It's a human rights issue. And if we're not as a as a human viewing this as a human issue as a problem with how we treat people and what we do to facilitate them getting better, then this problem is going to continue ad infinitum and it's going to continue at our southern border. Now, when Trump was in office, the numbers were less, but I'm not saying that the numbers were great. 
right? It was great last year, and everyone's going to compare it to last year, but you can't because COVID was involved yeah. last year. That's, That's a bullshit. Con- Correct. That's a bullshit number. Those numbers were so low, and it was low because of COVID. However, the two years prior were much lower. There were 70000 a month lower. So there is an, there is something to be said about our policy at the border, right? But when you're talking... Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof, right? If we open them up, if we have, don't get me wrong, everyone says this is a the country, we just need to be open and love everybody. I get that. But how if you had let's just say you had family members that were, you know, not doing well in their town, right? They weren't doing well. And they decided to come live with you. They just showed up and you took them in. And you're like, Yeah, man, I got you, cuz. Come on in. So your cousin mm-hmm. came and his wife and their two kids. And then your other cousin and his wife and their three kids. And then your sister and your brother-in-law and your <laughs> brother and sister. How many fucking people could you support in your in your household, on your property, in your track home? How many people could you support? How many people could, as a society, <laughs> you... you you could support everyone. I could support zero. Remember? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm the one. I'm the one changing changing jobs <laughs> in the middle of a job change. But there are some people that that truly need to need to go. As we were discussing, uh, one of them was Fauci. Oh yeah, totally. He's gotta go. Another <laughs> one, you know, Biden. Yes, he's gotta go. He's gotta they go. Gotta go. They gotta you know go. Why? You know why? Why? This guy sucks. That's why. <laughs> Who I feel like throwing some of that stuff in there. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> I love the sound effects. It's awesome. No, I, I think you make a, you know, all joking aside, I think you make a very good point of healthcare related to the influx of not refugees. Right? God right. forbid you say that word. Right. Because literally they are. They are refugees. I, I know. They're, they are fleeing a failed state. So they are refugees, but we haven't technically we termed them. We want to them back. That's well, the problem. You, you we, I don't know that we, but I know, I know that the government does, right? The government wants to send, a, send them back yeah. so they can just come across again, yeah. right? But there needs, to be, there needs to be a discussion about how do we handle this from a medical standpoint? At how do we treat these patients or these people coming across What's the ramifications of that? And what are we doing about it? Because if there's no discussion and we're just going to allow this to continue, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a big problem. Yeah. And you're going to see negative results for people who've lived in an area that can't get medical attention because the ERs are full of patients that have migrated or came to the country illegally and have you know been in the city and they're yeah. seeking medical attention at a community hospital for whatever colds, flus, ouches, cuts, nicks and scratches, chest pain, you know, go whatever. Pick pick the problem. But these issues are going to become a bigger problem as the year goes on, and I think this is a more of a human rights issue than in a than uh anything we've talked about or anything that's been talked about the whole year. Yeah. So, I'll leave on that great note, oh, <laughs> how happy. No, that wasn't happy. But, you know, 
I'd like to thank our sponsor, the U.S. Postal Service. When you want something expensive thrown on your porch and stolen, you want the U.S. Postal Service. You know, you got to throw that in there once in a while. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think you're absolutely right. On that note, That I mean, that very sad and depressing note. But once again, if it's not affecting your state right now, it's hard to get much... Um, drive on this so i think it's important to talk about it yeah and have the sure. conversation and and also bring it up because it's it, it is a big deal it is it's not it's, it's not a little deal it's no a big deal. it's a big deal but again you know we're in vegas so we're sort of somewhat insulated from the direct results of it right so we're one state away from the border right arizona has the border and we're a state away so we're sort of not directly affected. We're indirectly affected. But I think the country as a whole needs to view this as a humanitarian crisis, not a border crisis. And if we change the yeah. change the way it's discussed and change the way we talk about it, I think it'll help. And then we'll see it as a humanitarian problem and possibly be able to do something about it. And it'll help the medical community. It'll help the patients in the area and it'll help treat all of these people that are coming across the border. But until that time, who knows, it'll just be the same shit, different day kind of situation, I think. <laughs> so on that note, we'll leave you with that one. That's fun. All right, guys, thanks for coming in. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on the Twitter feed. And, uh, thanks Christy for, uh, emailing us and prompting me to get on here and talk again, since I hadn't been listening to my own voice for a while. Yeah, so, you know, if you have any questions uh, about this podcast, hit us up at info at medicallyunbiased.com. Also, you know, I believe we're on Twitter still. <laughs> we are. Okay. We're on Twitter. Uh, if you have any questions about this past podcast or previous podcast, hit us up. Tweet us at Medically Unbiased. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at medicallyunbiased. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.